Hallelujah. I started last week a series on when bad things happen to good people. Probably the number one phrase that so many people ask me, why, why? Isn't the whole premise of our Christian life based on faith? Faith in Christ, faith in God, everything we do is based on faith. But the number one question that so many people ask is, why? And before we get into the message today, I asked myself a question, why? Why did God give me such a lovely bride? My wife, Becky Lynn Tackett. So today, I only find it befitting that I honor her, and she's given me these eyeballs that are that big. You know, we met when we were 15 and 16 years of age, and uh, she had a, a special place in my heart, and, and I remembered that day so specifically, and that's why I wore the outfit that I wore today. I had the pink shirt on with the pink tie and the, the burgundy gray pants. Yeah. And I saw those teenage girls turn around. They were all talking about me. Back then, the glasses were as big as a windshield. The hair was clear up to here, poofed out to here. Gel wasn't even thought of, just Aquanet. So we did what we could when you have thick hair like that. And I walked into that church, sat in that back row, and I remember so distinctly as I looked up and the choir started singing and I heard, and Becky slowly jumped up. She hurtled over those pews. No, okay, that didn't happen. I pictured it in my head, and then I thought to myself, she's not coming back here to this tall, skinny, lanky, poofy hair, big-eyed guy. And she did. And it's all history after that. Four lovely young women in our lives, two beautiful little grandbabies, and we celebrate May 23rd, 30 years of marriage. And the scripture came to mind. And we know all things work together for good to them that love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. And when she walked back and she walked away, I walked away too and I said, mm-hmm, yes, it's all good. Okay, with that being said, my love of my life. This is called the light of my life bouquet. So how befitting that you are the love of my life. I'd like to give you a bouquet on this Mother's Day to say you are loved and appreciated. Love you, dear. Okay. Enough of the mush. Now we'll get right into the message. And I only thought it was so great because it went together, right? So this, uh, this passage is addressed in Romans chapter 8. And I know it's Mother's Day, so I'm going to tie it in. And I said for the next three weeks, we're going to talk about things being good. What does it look like? What does that text actually mean? Because it's something that we use all the time in our Christian lives. Sometimes we're at a loss for words. We don't know what to say. But we'll say to somebody, it's okay because it's all good. We'll say things like, I understand, but remember, and we know all things 
work together for good. We don't understand loss. We don't understand life. We don't understand faith. We don't understand a lot of things. But we know this. We can sure quote that scripture that it says it's all good. So according to this passage, it says in there, when you look up here, Romans chapter 8, verse 28. And if you have your Bible, you can turn with me. If not, you can follow with me up on the screen. It says, and we know all things work together for good. Now watch, all things, you can circle it in your Bible, you can put it in quotes, you can highlight it, but all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. So according to this passage, all things, everything that has happened or happens or will happen will work together for what? For good to those that love him. The phrase actually means work together implies the combined work of more than one member. So even if one of these was missing, this working together would be incomplete. In other words, everything in the life of a man that loves God is necessary for the good. Since it's the combined work of all that give it. Now, watch this. Good. The word good reminds me much of my childhood. My mom would say to me, Todd, be a good boy. And I will reward you with, right? So we hear that phrase, we know that. We're always trying to compromise. We're always negotiating with our children. I'm going to tell you what my uncle said. He said, remember this, they're not your friend. They're your child. You be their parent. And when they're older, they'll be your friend. Today, we're blessed to have little Asher with us. Brooke and Marcus brought this precious little boy into the world. And so, you know, if, if you need to uh, be with child, we expect you to go right back there, drink from the water. And, uh, you know, we'll take all the babies we can get, right? Just kidding. But that's good. And they're blessed with a healthy, healthy little boy. And then you remember this. Come on, moms. Son, this hurts me more (laughs) than it hurts you. (laughs) I thought to myself, I know I only got two whippings my whole childhood. My twin sister made up for the other 72 whippings. Sorry. And I know this hurts you. But just remember, son, all things work together for good. What? I know, right? We don't even know what corporal punishment is anymore. Uh, people don't paddle. They don't spank. I believe that children's services... I, I, I'm, not, I'm not interfering there uh, with, with uh, what CSB has to say. But let me tell you something. Everybody needs a good swat on their rear end. You know, the rod of correction, that's biblical. And uh, that wasn't in today's message, but I just thought I'd add that in there. You know, I love my daughters, and, and I love how they've grown up to be wonderful women. And for myself, it's great to know that 
we disciplined them and we kept them in line because God entrusts you moms to do just that. Make sure that you're guiding them and directing them. You know, yes, Libby's as cute as, a, as can be, our little roly-poly-oly. And, and I said to, to Megan just yesterday, I said, hey, Megan, you're not her friend. You've got to be the parent. You're the mother. And it's up to Papa and BB, Grandpa and Grandma, to spoil the heck out of her. I am not going to discipline her. I do not want to say no to her. You handle all that. I did my time. I did it, and I'm not doing it again. Because I know, come on, preach it. Come on, Jody. So, how about this? When your parent says to you, when mom says, this is good for you. Eat these lima beans. Or eat the spinach, or the squid, or the mashed potatoes, or lentils, or liver. Are you, you lost your mind? Eat what? I loved it when Caitlin was a little girl. We would say, okay, now, let me just give you some uh, parenting 101, right? So when you're teaching a little child how to eat, you have to let them figure out what the, the consistency is, the thickness, and all that stuff. This was the greatest thing. And there was times I had to leave the room because I was laughing so hard at our firstborn because she hated mashed potatoes. But I said, in this hillbilly family, you will love mashed potatoes because mashed potatoes, meat, and vegetables are at every meal. Becky, come on, honey. Take a bite of the mashed potato. Ready? Her eyes were watering. She was gagging. It was the greatest display of excitement for me that I've ever witnessed ever. And today... She loves her mashed potatoes. I'm telling you because you know why? And if you don't like mashed potatoes, I just want you to know that it says it's all good. See, I knew it was in the scripture and I just wanted to incorporate that today. Now, I did try liver. That is disgusting. But it's just how you have to fry it up and make it, right? So uh, it's important. But listen, the promise of Romans 8.28 is one to which Christians for centuries have clung to. The first three words of this promise are the basis for our study today. And it says this, And we know. Scripture gives supporting evidence of this truth. Through personal experience, Paul indicated that in all of the circumstances of life, that God is at work for good because we love Him. And God, who is at work in Paul's life, has an objective for his life, namely to make him more and more like Christ Jesus. And here's what Paul learned. Paul learned this, and we too can learn it today. And here are the four points to this morning's message, and I will make it quick. They are one, unavoidable sicknesses, unavoidable sickness, unfair circumstances, Unfair criticism and inevitable death. Now, I won't spend a lot of time this morning as I highlight these four points, but I hope that you can relate and make it personal as we journey through Romans 8.28 this morning. Last week, we made it personal. This week, I would like to make it more about us and we. And next week... Will be the conclusion, and it will talk about 
escalating and we know all things work together for good to them that love God. And so we'll understand the depth of love that God has for us and how we can demonstrate that same love to other people and how we can live out our Christian life and falling deeper and deeper in love with our Savior. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. Thank you for the word. Thank you, Father, for what, uh, Lord, you're going to do this morning and what you've already done. Father, we thank you again for these moms. We thank you for these women. We thank you for the ones that are here today that are just uh, here to uplift their loved one. So, Father, we pray that today you'll speak to the hearts of all of us. Teach us from your word. And, Lord, we thank you that today we can be together. Father, I thank you that my mom is in this room and that, Lord, we get to have this Mother's Day together. Thank you, Father, for uh, her demonstrating the love of Christ, Father. And we thank you that she showed me and opened up the Word of God on how to come to know you in a personal way. So, Father, I esteem my mom today. Thank you for the strength of bringing her to church. And, Father, we just pray that you'll speak again to all of us. Thank you for each and every person that's here. Hide me behind the cross. Hide me in your shadows and speak through me. In the holy, precious name of Jesus. Amen. Number one, unavoidable sickness. And here's what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 through 10. It says this, And lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. In verse 8, it says, concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses. For Christ's sake, for when I am weak, then I am strong. Paul wrote that even in the sickness and in pain, God works to accomplish his purpose. Scholars have debated for centuries as to precisely what the thorn in Paul's flesh really refers to. But the bottom line is this. We just don't know. We could be reasonably sure that it was some sort of sickness or disease and we realize this, that Satan works by the permission of God and within the boundaries that God establishes. So God, he allowed and God permitted a messenger of Satan to torment Paul with some sort of ongoing physical infirmity, maybe sickness or even disease. Like all of us, when we get sick, Paul prayed for his own healing. The automatic response of all of it. All of it is just to be delivered through the difficulty of his thorn. God can do it, but doesn't always. One main point in Paul's situation, though, he wasn't sickness-focused, but Jesus-focused. He wasn't circumstance-focused, but Christ-focused. Paul said when healing did not come, he discovered the power of Christ in his weakness. I think it's a great point. It says here in Galatians chapter 4. Now watch this, because here's where I really believe that he was dealing with something with his eyes. And so I wanted to kind of show this to you in Galatians 4. 
You know that because of physical infirmity, I preached the gospel to you at first. In my trial, which was in my flesh, you did not despise or reject, but you received me as an angel of God, even as Christ Jesus. What then was the blessing you enjoyed? For I bear you witness that if possible, you would have plucked out your own eyes and given them to me. Now, here's what I think is going on. Much like Paul, Paul's preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. For many of you moms that are here today, you are here to preach the gospel of Jesus to your families. You have an awesome responsibility. Proverbs 31 says that she's the virtuous woman. You have a great responsibility. There's no greater honor that you can have from a child than to say, Mom, you are godly. Mom, thanks for your love. Mom, thanks for taking a stand. I know for many of you, as we look at this, we think of this situation of sickness. For many of you, you've dealt with sickness. Maybe throughout your whole life you've had to deal with some sickness. But I want you to know that there's power in the name of Jesus. And no matter where you were at or what you did, you don't have to live your life in shame any longer. Because it says in His Word, and we know all things work together. Now, how does working together work out? Working together means this, that we, we don't write the book. We live Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1 out. By faith, we live our life out. That's the Christian life. And we can't understand why or how or when or where. Why did all this take place? We don't have to go back to the, to those things. But what we must believe in is that a thorn that might have been in your life might have been there to bring you closer to your Savior. Might have been there to make sure that you have a deeper relationship. I don't ask the question why. And I could give you a lot of, lot of stories. Of why, when, how. Why did you do this? As people have suffered through loss, they do one of those things. Why did my loved one get cancer? Why did they die of cancer? Why leukemia? Or why ALS? Or whatever you're going through. It's very, very difficult. But we know that God is in control. Paul said, in my weakness you make me strong. I remember what my pastor used to tell me. He said, oh, Todd, don't you worry. Don't you worry about your thorn in the flesh. I was having a good time wallering in my misery. You know what I'm saying? He said, don't you worry about that thorn in your flesh because it could be the whole pricker bush. Made me really think some things out in my own life. How do we get delivered? We call upon the name of Jesus. And we say, you know what, I'm not going to let this become my past. I'm not going to allow that to, to give me power. But I'm here today to say, you know what, God, I'm going to trust in you. And today, in the name of Jesus, it said that Satan came and buffeted him, tormented him, tortured him. Well, guess what, church? In the name of Jesus is all you have to say. Let it go. You can be delivered in and through the name of Jesus. We all have things. Our minds, our bodies, our addictions, our habits, our hang-ups, whatever the hurts are, you can let them go. And I'm here to tell you, listen, you know, I did some thinking, and this isn't in my message, so it's not in any of the, the PowerPoint there, brother, but I just have to say this, and you can turn the air off just for a minute, because when the love of my life, Becky Lynn Tackett, 
goes like this, honey, I'm cold. You better believe I'm turning this air off right now. There was a legion, a legion is many, that came to torment a man. And it says in the scriptures that a legion of demons went into these pigs. And when they cast them out in the name of Jesus, it said those pigs went and jumped off a cliff. Listen, it's real. The reason why we have this scripture today, and I'll give you a little bit of what I've dealt with, As a parent, as a mother, as a father, you need to pray the name of Jesus over your children. You need to pray over their bed. You need to pray over the home. You need to pray over their lives. You know, when when my kids were little and they would come in the room and say, Daddy, I'm scared. I would jump out of that bed and I would go in there and I'd kneel by that bedside, much like probably a lot of you mothers and fathers have done. And you pray the name of Jesus over them. But let me tell you what Scripture says. It says, Whatsoever shall be bound on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatsoever shall be loosed on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Now, this is the word, and I'm going to preach a little bit of word for you. And in order to become free from that influence, you have to pray the name of Jesus over your children, over their life. You know what they're going through. You're their parent. God entrusted you to know that. So pray over them. Build a hedge of protection about them. And cast Satan out of their lives. Did the same thing to Paul, but Paul kept his focus. It's our responsibility as adults and as parents to keep our focus and pray over our children. Pray over men, our wives. Women, pray over your husband. Pray over your children. Pray over your grandchildren. I was talking to mom and mom says, you know, I, you know, at night I love to pray over you kids. I love to pray over the grandchildren. I always say this, whenever you send me a text, says, Pastor, I'm praying for you, and I'll say this, I covet your prayers because I need it. Because let me tell you, this stinking pig can be just like them, and I can go flying right off of a cliff. We're one choice away from making a difference in the right direction or the wrong. Get power over your mind. Get power over your body. Get power over your soul in the name of Jesus. God does not intend for us to seek to be weak. He doesn't intend for us to seek to be passive or ineffective. Life provides enough hindrances and setbacks without us creating them. And when these obstacles come, we must depend on God. Only His power will make us effective for Him and will help us do work that has lasting value. Did you use your sickness as a stumbling block or as a victory? I want you to think about that. Number two. Unfair circumstances. Unfair circumstances. In Philippians chapter 1, verses 12 through 14, here's what it reads. Paul and Timothy, bondservants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus, who are in Philippi, with the bishops and deacons, grace to you and peace from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, making requests for you all with joy. For your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Isn't that great? Let me hear you say amen. 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 Just as it is right for me to thank this of you all, because I have you in my heart. And as much as both in my chains and the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you all are partakers with me of grace. Paul then proceeds to say, 
For God is my witness, how greatly I long for you all with the affection of Jesus Christ. And he says, and this I pray. That your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment. That you may approve the things that are excellent. That you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ. Being filled with the fruits of righteousness which are by Christ Jesus. To the glory and praise of God. But I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. And it says, so that it has become evident to the whole palace guard and to all that rest that my chains are in Christ. And most of the brethren in the Lord, having become confident by my chains, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Paul discovered that even when he was the victim of injustice, and even when his circumstances were the result of unfair treatment, God was still at work, still in control, accomplishing his purpose. This morning, let me pause to remind you what had happened to Paul. Paul had been active on a missionary journey, preaching the gospel, planting churches, encouraging believers. He became the victim of unfair and unfounded accusations. As a result, he had been illegally arrested. He had made his appeal to Caesar because he was a Roman citizen and was transported to a Roman prison from which he wrote the the Philippians. Almost everyone had forsaken him. There he was in prison, separated from his ministry, forsaken by his friends, the victim of unfair circumstances. But as these verses reveal, Paul saw every obstacle as an opportunity to advance the gospel. What a perspective. Other believers were encouraged through his imprisonment. And he was able to preach to his captors. He was arrested for preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now let me say this quickly. When I was called to preach at the age of 15, I decided to go into the public school system. And I want you young people to hear this. Can you turn the fans on for me, please? Thank you. And here's what I want you to hear. That when God calls you to do something, He wants you to do it. He wants you to surrender to it. Do you know we're having less and less young men surrendering to preach the gospel? Less and less people are surrendering to do anything in the ministry because they're fearful of the outcome. Listen, do you think for one minute that there wasn't a moment that came in my life when God said, hey, start new hope 17 years ago? I was fearful. But I said, oh, no, you don't. That's just a thorn in my flesh. Fear is not going to drive me to not preach God's word. Greater is he that is in me. Then he that's in this world, then all these things we've been made more than conquerors through him who loved us. Oh, look at you, Tackett. You're a preacher boy now, aren't you? Oh, look at him. Holy roller. Oh, look at him. He thinks he's better than everybody. Do you know I still get that? To this very day, I'm 52 years old, and I had to carry that cross my whole life. But let me tell you something. When you carry the cross of Jesus, persecution's going to come. Imprisonment's going to come. Negativity's going to come. People are going to put you down for your walk. But I'm here to tell you, hey, God is good all the time. And he takes every circumstance and he works it out for his good. Because listen, church, it's not about the here and now. It's about the hereafter. And we need to come to a place where we come to understand the grace of Jesus Christ. And if you don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior, today's your day of salvation. If maybe for some of you, 
You've been caught up in all the junk in your trunk. It's time to open that trunk up and let it go in the name of Jesus. It's real. It's real. You know the greatest thing for me is to understand that, hey, I know he's working everything out. And I know I've had some unfair circumstances in my life. And I know I was persecuted. It's great when you have all of your friends But when you take up the cross and you start to follow Jesus and people abandon you, you know what? I'd rather be on the Lord's side than on the enemy's side. So I knew how important that was. Them pastoring as a youth pastor for 17 years. I love teenagers. I love to empower them. I love to stir them up. Because, you know, they're so... That's a precious time in their life. And moms, if you have a teenager in your home, man, take advantage of it. It's great. Get involved in their lives. Give them influence. Sit down, pray with them. Even if it makes you nervous, still pray with your kids. Just start out like this. Dear Jesus, bless little rebellious Joey. There you go. That's all you have to say. It'll work. He'll wonder what you're doing. And you'll wonder what you're doing as well. But then it'll get bigger and bigger and bigger. And before long, you'll be the praying mom. Hey, God created us. He says he formed you. He knew you. And he fashioned you. You know what's great? That God gave you that child specifically for you. For your family. Here we see that in the unfair circumstances that the whole church thus stirred did more in spreading the good news than Paul could have done by himself had he not been in jail. I'm going to ask you a question this morning. Are you living for the Lord during your difficult situations? I want you this morning to be an encouragement to others by the way that you live your life, by the way that your kids see your life. Listen, Satan is always going to come and keep reminding you that little thorn is going to keep poking you and you're going to keep doing one of these numbers because what, what, what happens? Where your face is turned is where your focus goes. Where is your focus? What are you doing? But he's always going to poke you. He's going to prod you. But I want you to know, don't you, you don't have to live in the past any longer. You're free from that. And mom, grab a hold of yourself and say, you know what? I'm going to teach these kids what forgiveness, grace, and love is all about. Well, pastor, I don't like what you have to say right now. That didn't really apply to me, and um, I'm going to shut you out. Well, you can choose to do whatever you want. But this morning, I want you to do this. I want you to forgive and live in love, grace, and forgiveness. No longer live in your past. Let go of that shame. Let go of what was done to you and know that God is for you. He's not against you. Remember, as I heard this past week, Satan is below our feet. He's just a serpent. But we know who's above our head. And it's Almighty God. And we can claim that today. Number three. And then we'll wind down. Unfair unfair criticisms. So it continues there in... Philippians chapter 1, verses 15 through 18. Some indeed preach Christ even from envy and strife, and some also from goodwill. The former preach Christ from selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my chains, but the latter out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached, and this I rejoice. Yes, I will rejoice. Different people have different motives. 
for preaching the same gospel. We don't know exactly what occurred that Paul refers to in these verses, except that in Rome there were people that were preaching the gospel who were sympathetic towards Paul. There were others also preaching Christ who were not sympathetic towards Paul, but looking to stir up trouble for him through preaching. And if you study the life of Paul, you'll discover that throughout his life, Christians sought to discredit him because he was not one of the original 12 disciples. Did you know? Interesting, isn't it? People continually undermined him, criticized him, and put him down. Paul's answer was basically this. Who cares? His desire is that the gospel be preached despite what that meant to him. I'm going to ask you, church, when you preach the gospel of grace, when you preach the gospel of Jesus, what are your motives? Do you only act like a Christian when you're at church? Do you sing for self-glory, preach for selfish pride, make a name for yourself? And Christian, listen, if this is you, you're serving for the wrong reasons. And regardless of your motive, my prayer is this is that God uses it, your message, your story, for His glory. Here's my last point. Inevitable death. Inevitable death. Where were you going with this, preacher? It says in Second Timothy chapter 1, verses 11 and 12. It says, To which I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher of the Gentiles. For this reason I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not shamed, for I know whom I am. And I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that what I have committed to him until that day. When Paul was nearing the end of his life, he expressed his faith in God and entrusted his soul to him. Paul wasn't just in prison once, he was in prison twice in Rome. The first time he wrote Philippians and other letters. The second time he wrote first and second Timothy. Second Timothy was the last letter that he wrote shortly before his death. And he writes about those who deserted him during his imprisonment. And it says in Second Timothy chapter 4, verses 16 through 17, Now my first offense, no one stood with me, but all forsook me. Maybe not be charged against them, but the Lord stood with me and strengthened me so that the message might be preached fully through me and all the Gentiles might hear. Also, I was delivered out of the mouth. Of the lion. I like there that he says, but the Lord stood with me and he strengthened me. Paul wasn't interested in fighting the unfair things in life because he knew all things would work together for good. You could say, Pastor, do you know what it's like to be shackled? You know what it's like to be in prison? Do you know what it's like to really suffer through the pain and agony of sickness or criticism? Yes, I do. I think we've all been in that place. To what depth I believe that our journey's different. See, for some of us, God grabs a hold of us in the very beginning. And listen, moms, don't wait till you're here at the end of your life. I want you to look at the end of your life and look back over your life and say, you know what? I can say I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. I love that this church is a church that stands for the truth. I love that this is a body of believers that believes in the word of God. But I want you to know that God does care for you. And I esteem you moms today. I appreciate the love and adoration. I love that you've been hard. I see my two whippings that I got. Mom only had to hit me twice and I remembered the pain of those whippings. 
See, it worked for me. And then for the twin sister, it didn't work so well. Because she liked the pain and suffering. So therefore, that's why I keep her close to me in the praise team. So if I have to elbow her, I can do that now that we're adults. Anyhow, let me say this as we conclude. Others may forsake you. You may be sick. You may be the victim of criticism. Or maybe you've been the victim of unfair circumstances. But God always stands by us. And you know what's great? He gives us strength. I must remind you of some harsh theology. The gospel of God and the glory of God are far more important than our personal conveniences and our personal circumstances. He will strengthen you through trials so that his gospel will be made known. It says here, and as it comes up on the screen in Romans 8, watch and and know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. Do you believe that? Today, I know that I'm a child of the Most High God. I know that I'm called and I know that I am His elect. We are called And we are his elect. So can I make it personal for you today? Moms, grandmas, aunts, aunties, uncles, friends, sisters, whatever your role is in life. You're called. We have a responsibility. We have a responsibility to our children, to our grandchildren, to our great-grandchildren. To share the gospel with them. So today, it's great for me to stand up here, and I'm humbled. I love you folks, and I love that you're here to sit with your loved one. As you remember that today is a reflection. So let's do this. When you're eating your roast beef or your ham or your hot dogs and hamburgers, let's forget the past. Let's not remember the thorn, but let's remember the roses. Today's a special day. And as we reflect on life, let's just say, hey, it's all good. So say it with me. It's all good. All right, praise the Lord. You can turn the air on. We're going to wake these people up because we're going to sing. Now let's make this second part a little personal for you as well. Do you know Jesus? Are you a mom? Are you a woman? Are you a man? Are you a child? Do you know Christ as your Savior? If you were to die today, are you 100% sure you'd go to heaven? Nothing matters to me but the gospel. The gospel is Jesus. The gospel is the death, the burial, and the resurrection. There's hope because you know why? It says that he is the way, the truth, and the life. And no man, nobody, nothing can come into the Father but through him. And by him. Do you believe that today, church? Amen. Let's rise to our feet. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. Father, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your love. And Father, we ask that today, Lord, that you will challenge each and every one of us to understand that 
Yeah, our past might look kind of dark. But God, we ask that you will help us to forget those things. But yet, understand that all those things had to take place to get me where I am in my relationship with you. Father, we worship you today. We thank you for your love for us. Father, I thank you for these ladies. Maybe some women in this room, maybe they looked back over their life and maybe they weren't that godly person, but Father, it doesn't matter. There is a period of time that Paul was in prison and was able to lead the jailers to Christ no matter where we've been, no matter what we've done. God, I pray that you'll help each and every one of us to take those moments and to glorify you. Lord, speak to our hearts today. Bless us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.